Hey everybody, this is Andrew. Um, normally we try to avoid cursing and uh, talking about things that you wouldn't want your kid to hear on this show because we, we know that a lot of you who listen have young children and, and you don't want them exposed to all the terrible stuff that the world has to offer just yet. <laughs> uh, this show's not going to be that way because of the book that we read and because of the stuff in it and because of the reactions that we're going to have to it. Uh, we're going to be cursing freely. Uh, the swears will flow like wine. It's going to be a good time. Well, right, and, <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to talk about some behavior of a sexually explicit nature. Uh, so even if your kid's totally down with cuss words, um, if you still haven't had the birds and bees talk yet, uh, you should like do that before they listen to this because these bees have whips and these birds <laughs> wear corsets. So... <laughs> Sexy birds. All right, everybody. Uh, buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> How long did you think this would go when you pitched it to me what the show yeah i have no clue i have a dis- <laughs> i have a distinct memory of where i was when i thought of the show i was on chestnut street in philadelphia uh, about a block from my office and i thought i wanted to read more books and i thought that if i had a partner i would read more books and i th- thought we were both we were both looking for a podcast to do we're looking for something to do and a podcast was we thought it was the easy way to go (laughs) (laughs) we thought it was like the effortless thing to do but yeah yeah you like texted me about it and i know we've been talking about it for a while like trying to come up with an idea that we both liked that wasn't just like people talking about nothing in particular yeah seinfeld the podcast yeah yeah and that that idea was the, the first one that i'd that I'd read and I was immediately like, Oh yeah, that could, that could be cool. People could listen to that. But no, I have, I had, I don't know. I feel like there was maybe somewhere in the thirties and somewhere in like episode 65 ish. I don't know what, why, I don't why know what those specific. Numbers? I just, well, I just feel like those were around maybe where we might've flagged a little bit in our sure, own. Like, yeah. I mean, you figured like around show 30, maybe we're rocked by scandal. You have to take a break to, <laughs> spend more time with our families <laughs> oh no laura and, then, laura and Susanna are like yes we are they're gonna keep doing this podcast we're gonna support them with this podcast stand by us in this difficult time oh god and then episode 65 yeah is when we like 65 episodes in if nobody's listening then we just say okay all right bye yeah time to stop reading forever guess no one wants to hear about me read <laughs> and they never read a book again uh, but i've but now there's time. Oh no, um, there was always time for reading. Um, I'm butchering. We, we just it. had to. We just had to find it. We just had ourselves. to find it. Uh, and we wouldn't still be doing it if we weren't weren't for all the people listening. So, uh, to the folks who are listening to this right now, uh, hope that open was entertaining. Because here goes the show. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one hundred. We're. You'd think we'd be better at intros by now, but no. Yeah. If I think we've gotten worse. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And uh, if you've decided that 100 is your favorite number, maybe you haven't listened to this before and you just go listen to podcasts on episode 100. Uh, We hope you'll join us next week when we're not talking about (laughs) sex stuff, but... In the meantime... <laughs> you don't know that we won't be talking about sex stuff. That's true. I actually don't know what you're reading next week, but we'll find I out at the end I, of the show. I, I don't know either. I'm not going to... Spoiler alert. Uh, so, yeah. So, the uh, MO of the show is that one of us reads a book that we haven't read before, and we tell the other person about it, uh, hopefully creating a stimulating, illuminating conversation. Now, this week, we decided to keep with the stimulating conversation... <laughs> But we changed the formula. Andrew, what are we doing differently this week? This week for our 100th show, we are we both read a book. Yeah. Um, for our 50th episode, we read Fifty Shades of Grey because the episode n- t- uh, number and the title of the book both had 50 in them. So for episode 100, what's 100 divided by 2? It's 50. And so we've read the second book in the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. Thank you for showing your shades, work. Fifty Shades Darker by E.L. James. Now, it's it's really important because sometimes they'll knock points off if you don't show your work. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad because that you they, did that. Like, if you're just copying someone else's someone else's answers, then what if you didn't do it yourself? It's, did just, you? it's just a way to insulate ourselves from the scandal that would have ended our show back at episode 30. Yeah, it's very important that we... QED, we're talking about sex. That's basically what we need to do. Talking about sex, and we're doing it with cusses. Yeah. So, yeah, if you, you've already heard, we're going to be fucking cussing this episode. So <laughs> What the shit? <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, for those of us who have completely blacked Fifty Shades of Grey out of our mind. Including uh, us. Including us. Uh, do you want to tell us what the hell happened in that book uh, so that we can be on a good foundation for this episode? All right. So if you, if you haven't listened to our Fifty Shades episode in a while, maybe you should go back and do that first because this this episode is, is a sequel to that episode, much, much like Fifty Shades Darker is a sequel <laughs> to Fifty Shades of Grey. Wait, you never told me this was a sequel episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we listen we both listened to that episode recently to make sure that we didn't just record the same angry episode again <laughs> that's cor- you are correct sir for those of you who, who do not want to go back and and subject yourselves to that again so here is plot wise where 50 shades darker picks up um, so 50 shades of gray was about this 22-ish year old girl named Anastasia Steele. Um, she has a roommate named Catherine Cavanaugh, uh, also called Kate. Um, at the beginning of Fifty Shades of Grey, Kate is sick. So because phone interviews apparently don't exist in this fictional universe and because literally anybody can do a journalist's job, Kate sends Anna to interview a powerful, enigmatic CEO named Christian Grey for their school paper. And that's the more I think about that, the more upset I get. Just like any any mouth that can ask questions can do the job of a journalist. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, So Anna Anna gets to uh, Christian's office building and gets up there to interview him, and he's super sexy, and it makes them both really horny for each other. Yep, that's uh, yeah. I remember that part. Okay. 
Uh, but he is a man of unconventional tastes. Uh, he likes bondage and S&M and uh, pain stuff, mostly. <laughs> pain stuff? Yeah, pain stuff. And Are you way... into pain stuff? No, yeah. I'm into healing stuff. <laughs> I really, I'm really into sexy medicine play. Are you a cleric? What are you doing? <laughs> Lay some hands on me, baby. And he he's way into pain stuff, but he's not into romantic love. Nope. But he has it for Anna really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a virgin, but she is cautiously intrigued by his kinks. But she also wants more from their relationship. So Christian is starting from this place where he doesn't understand how love works. Anna doesn't understand how sex works. And they're trying to meet in the middle. Um, they, She's a Chris- little bit lovey. He's a little <laughs> bit sexy time. Uh, Christian draws up the sex contract that lays out rules that he's he's laid out for his other submissives. Okay. And, and she doesn't want to agree to it because it's kind of... it. it it imposes a lot of stuff on her. Like she has, it, it says she has to exercise like a number of times a week. She has to eat this and that. Like she has to, there's just, there are a lot of requirements that are being laid upon her that she's not really ready for. Um, uh, he is really stalkery and like follows her around and spies on her and gets super possessive and like follows her to Georgia to see her, her mom she's like visiting her mom but it's supposed to be cute because they just want to sex each other all the time which they do all the time um christian is is emotionally messed up he's adopted um he got into the bdsm thing because of this woman who's referred to cryptically as mrs robinson because he was 15 at the time yes he was 15 at a time she's a woman who started sexing him at the tender age of 15. <laughs> You're making a face. Uh, one of the words I highlighted in Fifty Shades Darker was the verb sexing. And I'm <laughs> really upset that you just used it. Okay, sorry. We can talk about that later. All right. So, Key, let's keep it moving. What, what else? That's, that's basically the thing. Um, Anna, I don't know. She likes books. And so she wants to work <laughs> in publishing. Um. And so she gets a, a job at a publishing house, I guess. That's like kind of, I don't know. Anything that's not sex is sort of glossed over. So she gets this job at this publishing house. She's a friend named Jose who's really into her. But he's mostly just this plot device to, to drive home how possessive Christian is. Um, at the end of Fifty Shades of Grey, Anna asks Christian to show her how rough the super rough sex can get. And so he, I think it's a belt, right? Yeah. He, he whips her with a belt real bad until she leaves. And she's <laughs> like, that was not his like, objective. He was not trying to whip no. her until she leaves. <laughs> she just, she did not. There is, there are some other sexual experiences in the book that she had that she was kind of intrigued by. This was not one of them. So she, ups and leaves she packs her bags and leaves town or not not actually she just leaves his, his palatial estate 
because yep. she she did not like how rough that sex got. And that was the super abrupt end to Fifty Shades of Grey. I think that's just about caught us up. Yeah, I think that's... Well, and I'm um, sure if we... Co- previously on Fifty Shades if, of Grey. If we need to cover anything else, uh, I'm sure it'll it'll come up. So this book picks up like three days after the first book. And it's on Anna's first day of work. Working at Seattle Independent Publishing. Sip. Sip. Um, and she's either a publishing house or a coffee place. Yeah, I don't know. know. Uh, and she's working for this guy, Jack Hyde. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I feel I, we, we can get lost in this dumb plot, but this plot's so dumb. I like. I'm. I. Should we call it? Uh, this book just made me tired. Oh man, this book just made me tired. <laughs> All right. I, okay. When we when we finished, I mean, not even when we finished our show, when we were talking about Fifty Shades last episode, the uh, we I think we were both frustrated by how abruptly the book ended. Sure. And how it it did not do a great job of being like a self a self contained novel. Yes. And I felt like the end was kind of tacked on to like create a cliffhanger. Sure. And okay, so the first thing I think we can talk about is how absolutely that's what happens because <laughs> within I don't even I don't I don't I can't count the pages but like almost instantly they're just back together. Oh yeah, at the it start makes of this no book. sense. Yeah, and then like throughout the first book they had like this ebb and flow where they would have sex and it would be really great, I guess. And it would make them feel closer together. And then Christian would get too controlling or or too dominating or something. And it would scare Anna off. And so they would have this, this thing where they were sort of attracting and repelling each other. And that cycle sort of just picks right back up where it left off at the, at the beginning of this book. Like it, it, it very much seems like, the first one dropped off because it had to. And then they dispense with that as soon as they possibly can in this book. And that's just how it goes. Yeah. The whole excuse is that her friend, Jose, uh, who has a total hard on for her as Christian reminds her at every time, every mention of Jose. Yes. Uh, Jose and Jose seems like an okay dude, except like he got a, we got kind of touchy feely in the first book. He got a little handsy when he was drunk, and that probably could have gone bad. Um, So um, I guess we're glad that didn't happen. But luckily, Christian was stalking Anna, and so he managed to save her from Jose. That's that's true. Uh, Luckily. So this this book picks up with Jose's photography exhibit, where he's got a gallery showing, and Christian, like out of the blue tells Anna that he's going and would she like a ride? Okay. And also would she like him to pick her up and drive her to the show, am I right? Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's like several hours away. It's not nearby. Uh it's in Portland and they're in Seattle. So oh, and she's like, "All right. Okay. I mean, you're 50 shades of fucked up, but let's go." <laughs> And they're, like, talking along the way, and Christian's weird, like, colleague, subservient worker man, Taylor, is in the front. And then they get to the show, and there's all these beautiful photographs of Anna from some shoot 
that everyone can't stop talking about and she's going through the gallery showing and everyone's like, oh my God, it's her. She's here. Uh, <laughs> and Christian buys all the photos because no, he doesn't want anyone to look at her. Um, Except him because he's so bossy. He's so bossy. Uh, I don't even, there's, okay. So you know how, oh, God, I talk about this plot and I'd get You've angry about it. You've started like four sentences. <laughs> I know. So you know how, so in the last book, there was like very little plot outside of the sex, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't really meet anyone. Uh, we didn't really, it was really just them in the Red Room of Pain, like testing limits and signing contracts. And you did, I mean, you did meet people. And I want to, I mean, I think I know where you're going with this. And I think that both books are kind of similar in this regard. But you meet, you meet other people, but the storyline, such as it is, takes every like excuse that it can to stick you with Anna and Christian, no matter how much other people want to try and butt in on their narrative. (laughs) But I actually think that this book is trying really hard and failing spectacularly to work other people into the story. Like, I feel like we meet so many other characters that are just not utter nonsense. Uh, So like, the job thing doesn't go really well for Anna because Christian keeps telling her that her boss is a perv. And then Jack Hyde. Jack Hyde. Jack Hyde. Uh, Secret agent. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so Christian buys the company she works for because that's totally cool uh, so that he can look through all the emails and uh, presumably watch security cameras or something so that Jack Hyde can't like make a move on Anna, which of course he does. Which, of course, means they kick the crap out of him. And, yeah, because that, you know, that happens, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to find. And I, I we've we've tried a couple times, and I still, I don't know that we have. It's hard to find, like, a hook into this book because I think most of it, like, let, let me, we, we talked a little bit about E.L. James in the last episode. Um, Forum alias Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. <laughs> Originally wrote this book as Twilight fan fiction, and then it eventually made its way into ebook form and then into real book form. Um, I'm not sure how this was written, but my impression is that all three books were kind of written as one big sprawling story. Yeah, that's my gut. And it, I mean, that that comes through in this book, like as the middle entry of three. It's very much just like this soupy mix of stuff that happens. It is not. There is, it is not the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy. Let's just no. say. I, I mean, I have not read the third one yet, but <laughs> Luke Skywalker is there. He becomes a I Jedi. Think it's, I think it's safe to say, yeah. Um, but it's just like let me let me try and even summarize the plot. It's like Christian and Anna like get back together. And they are like they want to make it work because they both hated being apart from each other so much. Uh huh. And um, there is kind of a through line, actually, like a narrative through line or a thematic through line. Even I don't want to give this book too much credit, <laughs> which I think you can you can probably understand. But I think like trust is if if there is one thing in this book that makes it work as a book like unto itself like trust is the thing so they they get back together and 
Christian says to Anna like that that he doesn't need this this BDSM stuff anymore. Like he it was a thing that he really needed to like stabilize himself. But with Anna, he swears up and down that he doesn't need it anymore and she doesn't believe him. And it just like goes back and forth and back and forth for a million, million pages. <laughs> well, and so that that these other characters, thank you for introducing trust because that's actually going to give me something to hang my hat on as we talk about what happens in this book. Like all these other characters that orbit in and out of the story have to do with this trust issue, right? So the Joel character, it Christian doesn't trust him. Screw hit the screw that guy. Uh, Wait, who's Joel? Kate's Joel uh, Jose. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this guy Ethan, who's who's Kate, Catherine Cavanaugh's brother, like shows up. Catherine Cavanaugh, and even even that guy, Christian's like, trust him. Uh, we meet we meet Mrs. Robinson. We Elena meet Lincoln. Elena right? Lincoln, uh, and. Anna doesn't. I almost I forgot Anna's name for a second. Uh, <laughs> Anna doesn't trust her one lick, uh, and then this crazy ex submissive of uh, of Christian shows up, and you know of Layla, Layla, and of course Anna doesn't trust her and doesn't really trust Christian with either around of them. Her, yeah. yeah, around either of them, and you know we're not supposed to trust Jack Hyde, and clearly we find out that that's vindicated, uh, and then it goes down to. Like you were saying, Andrew, the actual one-on-one trust between them. Like, Christian's big thing, as he revealed so, like, lackadaisically in the first book, is that he's the son of a crack whore. And Mm -hmm. when he talks about her in this book, it's comically blunt how he just calls her the crack crack whore, right? (laughs) And, like, I don't laugh to demean anyone who came from that... Uh, unfortunate upbringing or it's anybody just, who is a crack or, <laughs> it's just the if way you're he listening says to it. our show like just like get yourself help but it's just the way he says it you. where she's like well then what happened he's like well the crack whore it's like come on <laughs> dude um i guess it's just like the level of emotional separation that he needs from yeah her to, i like, guess so he's not like oh mommy 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 put cigarettes out on my chest or no whatever. it wasn't her it was the pimp it was the crack whore's pimp sorry, andrew sorry, it was it was the pimp sorry um but so one of christian's big th- rules is no touching no touches <laughs> and <laughs> anna's not allowed to touch him like on his chest or on his back and he's got these scars on his back that are just so scary, and Anna sees them and she just can't imagine how such a beautiful man is so scarred and all she wants and it's to like do is symbolic touch them. of the symbolic of the scars that he has on the inside, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really I never him, thought him of fisted that. symbolism. So, did you get as turned on as I did when she drew lipstick all over him to put to point out the bad touch and good touch zones? Listen, I had boners pretty much the whole time that I was reading this, so. I don't know. It all kind—it's all kind of a really sexy blur to me. <laughs> you know what I couldn't not think of when she was drawing that like hit box on his chest with lipstick. You should probably—you should probably explain to the listeners, oh, okay. like, sorry, the totality of the scene, so we don't just leave them out in the cold. No, it's okay. This is about a 
midway through the book, I think. We're about halfway through the book. I don't even think it's halfway. I think it's like a quarter of the way. Okay. Uh, so there's just so much. There's so much to talk about, <laughs> and I can't. It's so hard to start. So we're we're talking about the lipstick box, okay? Right. So Anna really wants to touch Christian, just real bad. She wants to touch him on the chest, all over. Most of the time, he's he, so sexy and troubled. Yeah. He, <laughs> He really only lets her touch his penis, uh, and she would like to touch him elsewhere. I don't know why, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, and so he guides her through what his no-touch zones are, and he lets her draw on his chest with lipstick. And so it's like everything, uh, like a big rectangle, like a big square rectangular bib, like down his chest, uh around his neck and down his back and so she can touch his ribs on the side i think but she can't touch like his sternum and she can touch his butt but she can't touch his back uh and then eventually over the course of the book they come close enough together that she is allowed to touch him there but it's this weird i don't know it's weird see that's that's actually and again don't want to give this book too much credit because it doesn't even deserve it even a little bit. But um, you have Christian and Anna learning to trust each other. Okay, fair. Okay. In different ways in this book. like So, so Christian, because he's been abused and because he's had cigarettes put out in his chest by his, his crack whores pimp, um, does, just really does not like being touched in certain places. And over the course of the book, he starts letting Anna touch him in those places, like first super, super reluctantly, and then like steadily a little less reluctantly. Yeah. As time goes on. And then, you know, you have you have the um the sort of be at BDSM, like the rougher sex stuff from the first book. Christian, I mean, they pretty much forego that for the majority of this book like for the most part it's just it's pretty quote-unquote vanilla stuff (laughs) that they do um i just before we move on for the fact that you said vanilla stuff would you like to talk about the time that they ate ice cream would you like to talk about that we can talk about it in a second. I'm just, I'm just going to finish my point because I feel like we've started a bunch of conversations and we haven't finished finished okay. any of them yet. Um, so, so Christian trusts Anna enough to let him to let her touch him in these places where he really doesn't want to be touched, and then, like, Anna comes to trust Christian enough to like get into the to the BDSM stuff that she likes so she's kind of into s- s- some small amount of pain um this they, they start getting into a little bit of butt stuff in this in this whoa book. um but she if she if she doesn't like something she says no yeah the whole t- and i and yeah. it's like the only time in the whole book where she says no to anything which we're going to get to but <laughs> But like she's 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 trusting him to listen to her, and he's trusting her to tell him when she's had too much. And so, yeah, I think like them developing some measure of trust for each other, like beyond just like wanting to fuck all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and it, it's brought up a few times in this book. Like the the amount of time between the start of the first book and the end of this book is all of a month and a half. Like, yeah, they they really have not known each other for very long, and so this this book is kind of about them them growing that sexual attraction into something that might last a little bit longer i don't know well and this book itself is about a week long right it is not very long at all yeah it goes from pretty much weekend to weekend right yeah and i think even towards the end of the book anna's like that was one hell of a week wasn't it (laughs) man so much has happened yeah even though not anything's happened. happened and i will say when you said earlier that there was like vanilla sex stuff there I was kind of kind of disappointed in the sex stuff in this book. I was kind of disappointed. I was not weirded out nearly enough. Again, the, I think now that we've used the the W word, oh, excuse me. Sex, excuse me. It's it's time to acknowledge during this show that we will use weird to refer to concepts that are alien or maybe a little unfamiliar to us. Yes. But we do not actually like if if two consenting adults are having a sexual relationship, I think that they can do pretty much whatever they want with yes. each other. Can I clarify and my earlier statement? Yes. I wasn't nearly made uncomfortable enough by things I have no experience with and are squeamish about. Go. How about Nailed that? It. Yeah, no, that's great. So yeah. Okay, do okay. I think we've covered Talk about your ice cream sex. Okay. <laughs> Not my ice cream sex. <laughs> so their first night together, I think, is at Anna's apartment, right? Sure. Um, and it's after the photography show. And it's one of these like moments where Anna is having like, ooh, I'm kind of in control. Like we're in we're on my turf, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. So she makes sex, sex probably. It's it's sex. So <laughs> So they eat dinner together or whatever, and then uh, they have sex, I think, once, and then they go out for dessert, and he sees the vanilla ice cream, and he gets real excited about it, and I don't... What is he like? They eat it together, and then he he's like rubbing it on her, and then he like... Does he put it in her vagina? I think he puts it in her vagina. I think he does. That's real sticky. Like, sex is sticky (laughs) enough. Sex is sticky enough. And I know that people are, like, into sexy chocolate times, and that's cool. But, like, ice cream is its own brand of sticky that I wouldn't ever want to clean up. How about that? It's like, what if you put jelly in there? Like, you can never get jelly. Oh, jelly (laughs) sex. Oh no. Mm, smuckers. Oh no. Smucker <laughs> sex. Oh, that's yeah, there are other types of They call them smuckers fuckers. <laughs> and it's a craze that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> oh man, before we <laughs> Before we talk about the rest of this dumb book, Andrew, uh, do you want to talk about the one like kind of business-related thing that we want to talk about this week? Craig and I do this show. We've been doing it for 100 episodes now. We like it a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we like it a lot. I, they, I, we've gotten a really good response from our listeners, and it's just it's the last 
six months, I think, especially, have just been really, really amazing. Um, but it's time to talk about getting 50 shades of paid. <laughs> 50 paids of gray. Uh so we're, we have embarked on a, a bit of an adventure here with Overdue. We have started what is called a Patreon. And this is a way for longtime listeners and diehard supporters of the show uh, to help produce the show uh, functionally. Like Andrew and I kind of pay out of our pockets for hosting and bandwidth and the books themselves and, and our recording equipment. And we're kind of at a point now where to continue growing the show and continue making it as we have been making it, uh, we need a little bit of help. And we don't want to over-ask for that, but we know that some folks have really been asking about how they can contribute to the show and keep it going as the show that they enjoy. And this is the way to do that. Yeah, and the the way that we've been doing it so far is uh, we've got Amazon links up on our homepage up at overduepodcast.com. And when people click those links and buy the books, they can, um, you know, we get a little bit of a cut from that. But this this is kind of a way for people to support the show more directly. Um, the way Patreon works, and, and if you've heard of Kickstarter, it is like that, except it's um, Kickstarter is kind of a thing where you, you put in money to make a concept into reality. Patreon is a thing where you support artists who are already making something, who are already delivering something. And you kind of you pay them like based on how many things they produce or like you know per month, and uh, you pledge a certain amount per month to keep that keep that thing going. So we've started a Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/OverduePod. Uh, you'll find some milestone goals for the show. We want to become self-sufficient, which means that our supporters are helping us make the show month to month. This will cover books, uh, bandwidth, etc. If we double that, we're going to start churning out bonus episodes. Andrew and I would love to read books that uh, might be a little more esoteric or a little sillier. Uh, We do that already, but we could do it even more uh, with that level. Uh, Another level above that, we'd actually start maybe making a merch store. We don't know what that would be, but uh, people have expressed, you know, try to be happy mugs and and t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like commemorative plates with our faces (laughs) on them probably, right? Yeah, (laughs) bookmarks and stuff. It'd be cool stuff. Uh, And our ultimate milestone, which is really crazy town, and I don't know that we'd ever get it, but you are the only people who can help us do that, is we do a live show. Uh, We don't know what that means and we don't know where we'll do it. But if enough people chip in on Patreon, we will make it happen. And it would not only be an opportunity for us to do our dumb thing in front of people, but we'd actually love to meet uh, our supporters face-to-face as as we can. Um, you guys are so wonderful, and that, that would be a great opportunity for that. Yeah, so if you go to patreon.com slash overduepod, we've got a few different uh, donation tiers set up, um, and, and you can get a few different rewards based on how much you uh, donate to the show every month. Even if you just donate a dollar a month, like there are so few people who would need to donate at that one dollar a month level to make us totally self-sufficient to pay for our our book buying costs and our hosting costs and things like just every little bit helps. So if if you can give us even one dollar a month, like if you can give us more than that, that also would be awesome. But, you know, a dollar a month. I don't. I don't know if you guys live your lives like I live mine, but I spend dollars on all kinds of dumb stuff. So. I think I dropped a dollar on the floor yesterday. 
I picked Did it up. It I picked up? it up. Okay. I picked it up. But I could have given it to a worthy podcast. So think about that the next time you t- drop a dollar, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if this has been the most convincing pitch, but um, we just we, we love doing the show. We love that we have a dedicated listener base that we, we hear from every week. Um, if you guys like the show, like I, I don't see a future, like at least an immediate future where we stop doing the show for any reason. But if you guys like the show and want it to continue, like financial support, even if it's just a little tiny bit every month, is a really easy way to do that. And um, yeah, so patreon.com slash overdue pod. We're not going to plug it all the time. We don't want to run a bunch of ads on the website. We don't want to run a bunch of sponsorship stuff in the show itself. Like this, this is just this is I think the best way for us to become self sufficient and and like engage with our really dedicated, really awesome listenership without like making the show into something that we don't want it to be. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So patreon.com slash overdue pod, check it out. Andrew, let's get back to the sex stuff. Okay. So that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. I've got a list of sex stuff that happens in this book. One of which happens at a masquerade ball. Okay. Now, Andrew, a masquerade what? ball is a ball for secrets, right? <laughs> secret faces, and, mostly. And secret balls. So, <laughs> one of the first things that Anna and Christian do after they get back together is go to this fundraiser masquerade ball, and guess what returns, Andrew? Our favorite, favorite toy from the first book. The vagina balls. The vagina balls. That's like going commando, but extra. Right? It's, you put steel balls up inside yourself. Yeah. And, and so Anna, Anna did this in the last book, and it was one of the things that she was more into. Yes. And so she just decided that she was going to do that for this whole party and just pretend like she didn't have <laughs> balls inside herself for this whole time, which I don't, I would not be able to do. It's hard enough if I'm at a party and I've gotten a little tipsier than I meant to, and I'm trying to like keep up appearances. I don't know what I would do if there were like things in my pants making me feel other things. <laughs> uh, so that's a really, you know, the these the book is actually kind of bookended by these parties. There's a party in the beginning with the balls and the masks, and then there's a party at the end for Christian's birthday, which is. Uh, a little different um, and less overtly sexual. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but I do want to say that overall, the the sex, like I said before, the sex in this book was kind of boring. There was a lot of other things happening that got in the way and made it less enjoyable. What was frustrating you about this book, Andrew? Wait, enjoyable? What are you talking about? Like... Stuff got in the like plot was un was not enjoyable in this book. You just you, like the the stuff that people think of when they think of Fifty Shades of Grey was not present in this book. Correct. So that thank you for translating. I did not turn the page and find yet another revelation of things you could do in a bedroom. I found another boilerplate clumsy plot thing or another turn of phrase that made me want to punch someone. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that, that's the thing about this this book, and I think it's it's why we've had so much trouble like striking up a real conversation about what happened. Is that I mean, it's it's another long one. It's another like four hundred, five hundred page long book, but so much of it is just Anna and Christian like being together and like being like feeling each other out i guess uh-huh like there's just just even from paragraph to paragraph and it will be like oh my god i never want to leave you i want to be with you forever why are you so worried that i would leave you and then the next paragraph is like oh you're so fucked up you're you're <laughs> 50 shades of whatever like i this isn't gonna work it's just it go, it seesaws back and forth and, and back and forth forever and it's when when I read a book or when I'm when I'm like watching a movie or a TV show or something, I'm I'm trying to be aware of what my reaction to things is, mm-hmm. and I'm also trying to keep tabs on what the author's intent is. That's very responsible of you. And so, what I think E.L. James wants us to do is like. She wants us to look at Christian and be like, oh, you poor tortured, tortured soul. I hope somebody fixes you. Uh-huh. And what is actually happening is just like, I am I am bored by this. You should have figured this out. <laughs> like, it just cycles over and over and over again. Like, you should have figured this out a few cycles ago. Yes, definitely. Like, you keep, you keep making these undying declarations of love and trust and whatever, but like a butterfly lands on your your trust and it falls apart like it's <laughs> well, I feel like everybody's declarations of of undying love are totally I don't know they're just they're just they ring so empty because it's so easy to upset them like like for example there's this one sequence where I mean, Christian proposes to Anna in this book. Yes. Never mind that they've known each other barely six weeks, but he proposes to Anna in this book, and she says, I need time to think about it, which, yeah, of course, okay. Sure. But, um, so she gets it into her head that she's gonna say yes, like, on his birthday. Mm-hmm. And so she's, she's left alone in his apartment, and she's kind of looking through stuff, and she comes upon this box of photographs, of Christian's previous sex partners. And, you know, he's he's kept these photographs of people in compromising positions because they could, like, really ruin his business reputation, I guess. Yeah, he even says that for, you know, in case someone, like, ex- tries to expose him or something. Yeah, right. And so, so she finds this, and it's... You know, up until then, it's like, oh, I love this man so much. Oh, my Fifty Shades. Oh, I, I can't. I could never live without you. And then she finds this box of pictures, and it's like, oh, how can this work? Oh, I'm so jealous of these women. Like, there is actually, there is literally a passage where Christian refers to his helicopter as a she because that's, like, the convention for planes and ships and stuff. And Anna actually gets jealous of the helicopter because he refers to the helicopter as a female. I forgot about that. I am not making this up. It happened at the. It happened toward the end of the book, and it's like, like what? What other? 
Like, is is Christian going to talk about a pencil eraser in a way that is going to make you jealous of him? Like, what is what's going to happen next? And it's it's problematic because I think the characters the characters are deplorably simple. Like you made a joke at the beginning of the podcast where like the one defining trait we had for Anna was that she likes books, I guess. Mm -hmm. And in this one, you know, obviously the one defining trait of Christian is that he's fucked up. He's 50 shades of fucked up. (laughs) Right. And yes. Right. He at one point he goes missing. For like a day, it's like the not even the a day, least, like half a day. It's the least suspenseful scene I've ever seen. <laughs> he goes missing, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's in his helicopter. Where is he? No one knows." And there's a period of time where he's, you know, she hasn't answered his proposal, and I was thinking, like, is he pulling a stunt? Like, is he trying to make her jealous? And he just kind of like walks in after his face has been on the news. And everyone's like, and he's like, whatever. He's just like, hey guys, just... <laughs> who wants Zaz? Let's go. <laughs> and they're all like, you were. We thought you were dead. And then, of course, that makes her want to marry him. Like the fact that he almost died, she's like, ooh, I want to marry you. It's like, does nobody in that room have object permanence? No, like, he's <laughs> gone for like six hours. And the thing is, is like, it, it's like his helicopter went down, but he's fine, and his BlackBerry was out of battery i guess all right fine contrivances that's cool but there's like one or two moments where the book maybe hints that maybe he is like was plotting something or that he's hiding something about what happened with the helicopter and that could have been like we could have gone down a path where christian was a little more conniving but to your point earlier like she's trying to perpetually build up sympathy for him so that won't jive with that uh she being who she uh el James, james excuse me okay um but it just leads to like he's not he has he does not have 50 shades he has one shade christian gray that's it <laughs> he does not have that much depth you know like if you were gonna go to home depot and pick out a paint color like there would be one christian gray swatch can i give both a shout out and like a warning to a bunch of creative halloween people real quick yes if you are gonna go for halloween as 50 shades of gray and which stop it <laughs> and what you're gonna do is tape or sew or staple a bunch of paint like test panels to your shirt i get it i've seen it good job reference something Funny else joke. good hilarious joke good joke move on listen we've done a hundred episodes of a podcast on the internet so i think we understand how humor works <laughs> at this point and we are recommending to you that you take a different path can we continually be to, to be judgmental andrew yes great always. so one of the <laughs> okay. things that's a, another continuation a hallmark of el james writing is kind of clumsy handling of pop culture and technology like we talked about how she hated her MacBook Pro in the last book. And in this book, once they get back together, Christian gives her back her MacBook and some other stuff. And there's a special present for her. And she opens the case. And this is what she says. Holy shit. An iPad. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then the next, and then there's a note, and he's filled it with a bunch of music for her. And then she says, "This I have a Christian Grey mixtape in the guise of a high end. I what is a high end iPad? There's just iPads. I think it's just a, like sixty four gigabytes. <laughs> I shake my head in disapproval <laughs> because of the expense, but deep down, I love it. Jack has one at the office, so I know how they work." Like, she's reassuring us. Like, all of us, I'm sure, we're like, you don't know how to work that iPad. She's never going to listen to his music. She can't work it. I know well, how this, they work. this is 2011. So, to be fair, the iPad was only a year old at this point. Um, one of the songs on there was um, <laughs> Try by Nelly Furtado. Uh, it's got Coldplay on it. Um, there's one, she says, Andrew, she says, this iPad, these songs, these apps... He cares. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he really show, cares. Show your wife you love her this holiday season <laughs> by buying her an app. I filled it with all your favorite apps. Google Maps, Yelp, <laughs> Netflix. They're all here. <laughs> I got you a Hulu Plus subscription, baby. You can watch all those old friends episodes. Uh, is there another <laughs> like prose example that you want to share? Because I'll find more. One of, one of the big things that we talked about last show was like repetitiveness. Oh Jesus! And we've already we've already touched on that a little bit because just the arc of the story is so repetitive. But there are a lot of words and phrases that appear over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Uh, yes, yeah, such as uh, favorites from last time, her inner goddess and her subconscious. So Anna has these two dueling personalities within her, I guess, that serve as, like I think I said last time, like a cartoon angel and a cartoon devil on her shoulders. Yeah. Okay, so her inner goddess is the part of her that wants to get laid all the time. Who And she's often doing arabesques and scissor kicks and she's warming up for the parallel bars and doing backflips and things. Whereas the subconscious is like a librarian. I, I think she's like a... Like a librarian who just wants everybody to shut up all the time. <laughs> but there's... Are you looking up a particular good inner I'm goddess? Looking, I'm just looking up inner goddess stuff. My inner goddess cheers loudly to the rafters. Uh, my inner goddess is doing a triple axle dismount off the uneven bars. My inner goddess is bouncing about like a five-year-old. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. My inner goddess grabs a rose between her teeth and starts to tango. My inner goddess doesn't know whether it's fight or flight time. My inner goddess is on her knees, naked except for her panties, begging. My inner goddess chips in and mentally I scowl at her. And it's just, I think I think we're supposed to we're supposed to think this is cute, right? Like we're supposed to as the reader, we're supposed to be like, oh, her inner goddess is back. I can't wait to see what she does. Oh, my goodness. Or, or we're supposed to, like, identify with it. Like, so, again, we're both men. We don't have vaginas. So it's true. All the all the paragraphs about what happens in her belly and vagina when she sees Christian's hips or whatever it is, like, I can't identify with that. Okay, maybe it's accurate. I don't know. The belly, the deep down, the bursting, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the inner goddess is trying, it's like this, like, uh, she, she came up with this weird device that just does not 
feel good. I don't care for it. It's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when I uh, the other thing I want to mention when I said uh, holy shit an iPad is that she says holy oh, 93 times in this book. I actually I got 91 times. It's when you do a search for holy in the Kindle app. It says 93, but that counts two melancholies. Oh. <laughs> and off- so yeah, she's like, holy fuck. Holy shit. Holy cow. <laughs> Which is my favorite one. Holy fucking shit. I have no idea. Holy shit. Holy cow. My nipples. Ho- <laughs> like, what the hell? This lady's... Uh. Holy fuck, he's wearing only pajama bottoms that hang in that totally hot way off his hips. Still don't know what that means. I, d- I really don't know what that means. We've, we've been trying to find a way into this book, and one of the reasons that's been it's been so difficult, I almost said hard and I didn't want to have a boner pun, but I nope. whatever, um, is that it's kind of a known quantity, especially the sex stuff. Like We kind of knew what was going to happen what it might be and like i like i've said before i was a little i was actually surprised by what it wasn't how about that um i was surprised that i was not surprised by what took place in the book uh sexually but i was unpleasantly surprised at el james's attempts at like plotting and suspense throughout the book because mm-hmm. i feel like she introduces all of these other characters in an attempt to create real conflict in a relationship that had its primary conflict in an earlier book, right? So, like, this ex-girlfriend that she introduces, Layla, or ex-submissive, I guess, uh, who's escaped from a mental institution and ends up threatening uh, Anna with a gun. and who It's not even escape from a mental institution, right? It's just, like, she's had a mental breakdown. Oh, I thought, oh, okay. Perhaps she. I mean, she she ends up in a mental institution. Yes, yes. Um, but she is like the big revelation there for Anna is that she looks exactly like Anna, and all the submissives look the same. And then when they finally have a showdown with her, Christian looks like he did when he was a dominant, uh, and he makes her leave the room. And who knows what happens? And that I always found that weird. He said all he did was wash her. I don't believe him. I I don't even know that here's the deal. I don't I don't even know that I don't believe him, but just like Anna jumps toward the worst possible conclusion. Yes, fair. Immediately, instantly. <laughs> and and like maybe maybe she's justified, but like for somebody who's spent this entire book like saying how much she loves this guy and how much she wants to be with him, like she's not willing to give him an inch. Not at like, all. He's got to justify himself at, at at every turn, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that he is like a victim in this relationship because he's got his own stuff going on. Like he he won't he will never ever take no for an answer, no matter how much he says that that's that that that, that he will. He bought the company she works for so that he could keep tabs on her and, and check her emails. And he said that if she went to work for another publishing company, that he would buy that one, too. Not allowed. Not allowed. Obviously, they've both got problems (laughs) in this relationship. But the through line here is them learning to trust each other. But in this book, 
there's a lot of them not trusting each other and it does not take a lot to get to get Tao going in either in either character's mind precisely um and that's the big hang up with this mrs robinson elena character who like works owns you know works in a salon that christian funded and there's she's christian's only friend quote unquote because she's the only person who knows about him that way other than Mm -hmm. his submissives and she doesn't really like Anna at all and doesn't think that Anna can satisfy his needs and it builds up to this, you know, big argument at Christian's birthday party. And I don't know like if the tell me if you felt this way. Whenever Anna talks about Elena or even when she gets in a in that argument with her, she like calls her uh like a child molester and a pedophile and it's not that she's wrong. But the way she does it seems so petulant that I find it annoying, and that feels wrong. Does that make sense? Like, I don't—you know what I mean? I think it it does, and— Like, the writing the, undermines the, book, the point. <laughs> the, book, the book obviously wants us to dislike Mrs. Robinson, I think. I, I mean, I think that's made clear by the end, because there are two big— threads that this that this book uses to set the next book in motion yes one is at the end of the book christian's adoptive mother finds out that elena i forgot like, about that oh yeah had sex with her 15 year old son yep like el james i think wants us to be judgmental of of elena wants us to I, I mean, I think, and I think this happens a lot of the time. She wants us to side with Anna just because Anna is the person whose perspective we precisely are inhabiting. Yeah, um, and also I think what I was trying to say earlier was that her dislike of Elena for that reason is not unfounded, right? But it's the way that James repeats uh, Anna's concern over Christian's past in like the exact same language every time about him being like a little copper-headed boy and the repetition of the crack whore language and that kind of stuff. It just weared me. It wore me down as a reader to the point that then when she does blow up in Elena's face, I was just like, fine, just whatever. Like, finally. <laughs> and I and I shouldn't feel that way. That, that moment should be momentous and I should be proud of Anna for saying that to that woman's face and instead I found it petulant and i and that's wrong maybe of me as the reader and and if people who have read this book feel otherwise but you probably shouldn't have read this book because it's bad uh <laughs> so if you read the first one and then read this one i don't know what to tell you uh but you want to talk either, about the- either you have read a hundred books for a podcast or you're stupid or you picked up the second book of the 50 shades trilogy <laughs> For what? Oh, I heard these are good. I'll just start. I'll start here. I don't have time for the first one. What are you doing? Fifty Shades Darker, darker than what? <laughs> I don't know. I'll just read this one anyway. I guess darker than what? <laughs> uh, you also you were insinuating that there was a second thread that was being set up for the next book, Andrew. The second thread is that uh, the the cliffhanger to this book, which is I think overall more satisfying than the cliffhanger for the last book. Yeah, is um there's this person who sabotage christian's helicopter yes which made it which made it almost crash land yes which made him missing for six hours which totally freaked out all of his friends and family as we've absolutely discussed Uh (laughs) uh-huh 
but yeah, it's this it's this shadowy figure who has a photographic memory and loves books and is drunk all the time. And guess what? It's Anna's lecherous boss, Jack Hyde, who got fired earlier in the book. Oh my goodness! And what's he gonna do? So I- he's so he's got it out for Christian. Elena has it out for Christian and Anna. Like there are these people who exist only to be obstacles for this relationship who are going to continue being obstacles for this relationship. So, and, and I'm going to go into some forecasting land here. The next book is called 50 shades free and it feels Fifty shades freed freed. Excuse me. Uh, and it seems like it's going to be freeing him from his own bonds, the bond, the sexy bonds of his past. Um, (laughs) <laughs> because it's basically it's like he's Batman and some people know that he's Batman and they're threatening to tell the news, right? Like that's kind of what's happening here. Like But if Batman instead of fighting crime <laughs> just was into some unconventional sex stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. Uh, put the put this in your mouth. Swear to me you won't tell anyone. You want to see a trick? <laughs> I'm going to make a penis disappear. <laughs> that was the Joker, but... Riddle me this, Batman. What happens when you put this in your butt? That's the <laughs> that's the Riddler. I don't know if you know. That's the Riddler. So that's the... um. That's where the books are going. I think it's... So he is this 27-year-old, like, mega... Like, Megalomillionaire. He says he in this book he says <laughs> he earns a hundred thousand dollars an hour. Whatever, helping kids in Darfur make cell phones. I don't know what he's doing, um, <laughs> but I don't think that's it. <laughs> something but okay. Uh, so the the tension of the next book becomes like how does this public figure who's Fifty Shades of fucked up uh, deal with people who might like out him or something like that. Whereas I feel like he could probably just like have them killed. I don't know. Wait. I just remembered the part of the book where they're in an elevator together and he just starts feeling her up in an elevator. Do you remember that part? Isn't there a private elevator? No, there's a part where they're in an elevator with like 10 other people. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying, oh my God. Like we're already swearing all in this. Holy, holy fucking cow. Holy cow. Holy fucking cow. Yeah, they they are they they've gone out for dinner and then they're in this elevator with half a dozen other people and Christian bends down to pretend to tie his shoe. Yeah. And he's just like he's up in her. Like he he his hand goes up inside her. Yeah, smooth move, dude. And, and the like Anna's like, "Oh, how did these these six people are just chattering away. They don't they don't notice what's happening. If I'm in an elevator with eight people and one of them is down on the floor with his hand up someone's skirt, I'm a gonna notice. Like I don't know what conversation I'm having that I don't notice this. How loud would I have to be talking and how loud and what would I have to be talking about to not hear someone having an orgasm in the same elevator as me? Man, I guess that Tiger Woods just threw his back out. Okay, Andrew, we got a really nice message from a listener who's uh, who shall remain nameless. I was actually talking about 
Fifty Shades. So a lot of the discussion of the film, which is out in movie theaters now, which I will neither endorse nor unendorse, uh, has <laughs> a lot of discussion has uh, kind of been swirling around the film as whether or not it depicts these type of relationships correctly and what it has to say about relationships in general. And I think we've talked a lot about if this book, if these stories have their merits, it's about trust and commitment and fear thereof. If these books have flaws other than the prose and the underwhelming sex, then it's the kind of overall creepiness and terrible behavior of the two protagonists. Uh, the you know possessiveness and the flightiness and, and the kind of things that lead to less than ideal relationships. Um, and I think we had someone send in some stuff about the uh, BDSM community that seems to be not in line with what the book presents. Andrew, did you look any of that up? Well, there are two things that we brought up in the last episode that um, that this person has, has sort of responded to, I guess. Um, one of our questions was, you know, how how would this book be more interesting or would this book be more interesting if Anna were more conflicted about with what was going on? Like if, if she as a woman or like as a feminist were were questioning the like the power dynamic, I guess, that the Christian is kind of forcing upon her. Yes. And um, this person linked us with an article about just like about that very question. And, and the thrust of it is, you know, if, if, if you are getting to the point where you're really like a feminist or really an ally for feminist causes, like you should just, whether, however you're pro- progressive, your views are, you should not be forcing them upon somebody. So if, if there is a woman who likes to have her hair pulled or like, be gagged or tied up or whatever in the bedroom like you cannot let that like you as a, you as a man you as a progressive man who's not a jerk hole you cannot <laughs> you can't assume that because she likes that she's not like a complete human being or like a feminist or or, or whatever it is that that she is does that make yeah, sense? yeah and and i'll say that there are definite issues, I think, with the type of relationship that exists in this book uh, that actually has less to do with the sex the, the, and the kinky sex than Christian and Anna's other behavior. But Christian does say something, I think, in this book that is on point with this argument where he says, you know, the amount of trust and, and the amount of power you hold by being being the submissive uh, outweighs that of the dominant. And that I guess that should be true if this is to work right, correctly. See, like that that's presented as a fact in this book, but I don't think any of the actions in the book... Correct. I believe you're right. Like, yes. Back it up. Like, okay, so Christian asks Anna to, to marry him and she's like, I need time. But he will not take no for an answer. He keeps asking her and asking her and asking her. Like he, there are like a couple of passages in this book where it's really made explicit. Like or or like Anna says no and he obeys. Yes. But the rest of the time, it's this thing where he's saying, you know, you can say no whenever. 
and it's just she she's still I, I don't know she's still like seems really pressured by him or really like coerced by him yes into into doing or thinking whatever it is that she's doing or thinking i don't i'm i'm trying to and i don't know of course, and i don't know if that's if, if james's she, fault i don't know if that's um yeah. i don't know if it's it's one of those things where it's like you can we kind of talked about this with uh the reaction to stuff like lolita right where you can depict something that is bad and the question is whether or not by depicting it you are glorifying it or you are critiquing it and i don't think james is critiquing it necessarily i think she's just kind of clumsily showing a thing (laughs) 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 you know what i mean i sure but i i think there potentially would be i i don't know that much many people would want to sit through it you could show a version of this that is meant to be deplorable um it would probably be very hard to read or watch and and people have made such films you know this is already hard to read you're right uh but i think what this argument what this article was saying this february article was saying uh is that you can still have uh feminist ideals or, or ideals for the empowerment of women and still be a woman who is interested in being dominated that in a sexual way because that's part of just what you want and your ability to say that and uh ask for what you want is power enough in some uh situations um so just it's an interesting nuanced argument that i'm kind of impressed by i don't know uh but the other article that was sent in by our listener had to do just with kind of like like general good rules to follow if you're going to embark on this type of kinky sex there are two acronyms apparently that you're supposed to know about um ssc and rack okay um ssc is sane safe and consensual safe sane and consensual i think i got the two x the two s's mixed up um it's 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 basically no matter what you're into, like you have to one, I mean, I think that, you know, the C comes last, but I think it's the most important thing. Like one, make sure that whoever you're doing it with is totally on board. Yes. Um, and then the same thing is about keeping it realistic. And then the safe thing is making sure that even, you know, even though in BDSM relationships, you have a lot of like implements of, of pain. Yes. In the arsenal. A lot of the time, like you have to keep keep people from being in serious physical danger. Yeah, it's it's you could you could lay out all the rules as best you want to uh and still end up doing something that's dangerous and and whether or not that's probably not okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and there there's some lip service to that paid in the book like Christ, uh, Christian's argument perpetually is that Anna needs to eat and needs to be at full strength so that she can withstand what's happening to her, um, <laughs> which kind of seems a little messed up, but at least the thought is there. Uh, this article is from the kinkyfactory.com, and one of the examples of uh, perhaps not sane choices would be being drawn and quartered by a pickup truck. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound good. You probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, probably They're not. They're safer yet more dangerous things you could do that don't involve pickup yeah. trucks. The other one, Andrew? Yeah. 
Um, Rack is a risk-aware consensual kink. Okay. And I think that's just that's just both parties should again like consensual is a really 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 key word in this, and it's just it's just about like being aware of what the risks are, like what can go wrong in this particular thing that that the two of you are doing. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I guess that's, yeah. I guess, hmm. Actually, one of the last things that happens in the book that they do sexually involves uh, her being blindfolded. And I get why that would be enjoyable because you don't know what's going to happen next, right? Well, and the thing, the thing, the person who sent this stuff in was saying... Like the stuff that Christian Gray does in these books is totally like anathema mm. to in in the actual BDSM community. Like if if we had somebody who was so controlling, so overbearing, who was actually talking to us about the stuff, like he would be drummed out unceremoniously. Yeah, yeah. The thing about what happens later in these books is like Anna. And again, that goes. This goes back to our earlier point about trust. Like Anna's kind of asking for it or asking about it. Yeah. Or like curious about it. Like she's defined some hard limits. Like she does not want to be caned. Like she does not want to be hit with a belt. Like there's some stuff that she's just not gonna do. But being blindfolded and like gagged and butt stuff, like light butt stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like she, she is willing to experiment with because she is, she is, I mean, she knows Christian is interested in it, but she's also curious about it too. Yes. And so I think, you know, a lot of the judgment about Christian's character happens because of the stuff that happens in this first book and this movie that's coming out. And there are signs in the second book where Christian is, is like not even trying to do stuff until she is firmly convinced him that she wants him to try it, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I, my, my kind of frustration with how unsurprising the book was sexually kind of stems from the book taking on this mantle of Christian's potential growth. And that doesn't mean that he, you know, is going to grow by completely getting rid of, kinky fuckery as the book puts it uh but it means that he will not take his like control in all things mantra to the point of actually harming other people um so yeah i don't know what well, remains to be seen who knows i guess i guess we'll read the third book i guess it's our hundredth episode andrew do you want to hear some thoughts from listeners about our our show I would like to. I would like to. I would like to get past this conversation about this this book that I hated reading so much. Okay, so uh, Dennis wrote in, and he knew that we were looking out for hundredth uh, episode stories. He was the one who told us a couple weeks back about the folks who went into a library and asked for a library card because of our show, which was super cool. Uh, super cool. And he also said that one of his coworkers didn't know who Truman Capote was, and our episode on in cold blood kind of helped dennis fill that person in and maybe establish a connection between him and that person and then also an elderly couple came in 
uh, and heard the conversation and wanted to know more about the book and ended up ordering the book because uh, Dennis was able to talk about it. So we're helping old people find new books, and that's pretty great. Uh, a number of people wrote in saying that they listen to us when they're driving uh, or when they're commuting. Um, Saren, I guess, uh, wrote in saying that they were on a train and spit on someone because uh, they were trying not to laugh while they were listening <laughs> to our early 50 year, fifty Shades of, 50 year shades of Grey episode, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Tessa wrote in to say that uh, she grew up uh, not in America, so her required reading list or kind of backlog is a little bit longer since she didn't encounter all the same books in her uh, grade school and that we've been helping her out with that uh, and we're happy to do that. Uh, Albie wrote in to thank us for reading Portnoy's Complaint and hopes that we have a hundred more episodes. That's really sweet. I hope so too. Um, And then uh, Lee wrote in to actually say that uh, when her niece niece i'm making sure i say this right um yeah her niece uh was born she was actually listening to overdue at the time trying to get to the hospital uh to to see her niece in person and that we accompanied her along the way in the car that was very sweet of her to tell us that uh and allison actually said that uh she doesn't really interact with a lot of other regular readers um, and that it's kind of been really nice to listen to a podcast with folks uh, who talk about books as much as she reads them. Um, we're happy to fill that role for some people, uh, even though she apologizes for not being from Nebraska. She's from Pittsburgh. Um, That's fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, and Marion also wrote in to talk about um, kind of gib- giggling on the subway and I giggled on the subway to lots of other podcasts. So I I thank Marion for that. (laughs) Uh, I also want to give quick social media set shout outs to Sean duck and rain, Renee Bungale, uh, Jay deep who pointed out 50 shades of Modoc, which is terrifying. If you know what Modoc is for Marvel, it's man. uh, I read those. Uh, Amanda, Alex, Megan, uh, Boven, Alex Boven, who actually met E.L. James once and was made uncomfortable by her. So there you go, Boven. Welcome to the club. She's made all of us uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, Andrew, if folks wanted to share their favorite overdue stories, where could they send them? Um, they could go to facebook.com slash overdue pod or twitter.com slash overdue pod. Um, go to overduepodcast.com. We've got uh, links to our iTunes page, Stitcher page, or RSS feed. Uh, those are going to help you subscribe to the show. If you listen in iTunes or Stitcher, you can leave us a rating out of five stars or you can uh, review us. That helps us climb in the ratings and helps other people find the show. So we really appreciate that. Um, and then, you know, in addition to the Patreon that we've got that we talked about a little bit earlier up on the homepage, we have Amazon links to the books that we have read that we are going to read. Uh, you can click those, you can buy the books or anything else. And we get a little bit of a cut of that, which, which helps us out financially. So we, yeah, we really appreciate that. Some of these stories came in. Did you mention our Gmail, Andrew? 
I did so not. some of these stories came into overduepod at gmail.com. We've gotten a lot of our book recommendations that way, uh, and a lot of great stories come in. One of the big goals for this year is hopefully if this Patreon takes off, we'll be able to really make a concerted effort to pick up a bit more of the books that people have been recommending. Um, I know this this podcast kind of started 100 episodes ago as an excuse to read the books that were collecting dust on our shelves, and it quickly morphed into a really good excuse to read just the books that are out there that really should have been in our brains by the time we started this show. Uh, And you guys listening, you guys and gals have not been shy about sharing your favorite books uh, or other books you thought would make for good discussion, hence Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, So keep those (laughs) coming and that'll be our goal for the whole next 50 shows is to tackle as many books that you recommend as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's everything, right? Like, yeah, I'm I'm a little spent from all the talk about sex, uh, <laughs> and I'm also kind of a little emotional about how great our our listeners and supporters are. Um, I get a lot of there are plenty of folks here that I see in Philly on a regular basis who thank us for the show, but there are like innumerably more folks out on the internet who I don't know at all, and that is like weird, but I love it. Um, you guys are great. So thanks for making the show what it is. Okay, everybody. Um, thank, thank you so much again for helping us get to 100 shows. We will be back next week with episode 101. In the meantime, everybody, please try to be happy. Thank you.